Hear the word of God from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 35. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 847 in your pew Bible. He said to the disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow and is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Luke chapter 12. What in the world do we do with Luke chapter 12? Someone told me this past week, it is the hardest and most poignant passage in the entire scripture. I think one thing we can do is chalk it up on a long list of scriptural texts that we might headline with the words, easier said than done. Jesus said, do not worry about anything, to which all God's people said, yeah, right, Jesus. (laughs) My hunch is that we come into this place this morning or watching online with a whole laundry list of things that we are worried about or anxious about. Hardly any of us are immune from this particular theme of uncertainty, the one of worry. I suppose it's possible that there are some of you here this morning who aren't really worried about anything today, but it's very likely you know someone who is. The scene is set up here in this particular episode, prompted by worries about money and possessions, as is often the case when it comes to worry. Jesus is talking to a large crowd of people, giving them lessons about integrity and hypocrisy and conviction and commitment to the way of Jesus. And then out of the blue, all of a sudden, a man from the crowd shouts out to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, I need you to be Judge Judy for a second. I need you to settle this dispute that I'm having with my brother. Tell my brother, Jesus to give me my share of the family inheritance. Would you tell him that, Jesus? Tell him he's being unfair. Tell him he is not giving me what I deserve. Would you, would you tell him that, Jesus? To which I can imagine 
Jesus at that very moment, just breathing a deep breath and sighing a deep sigh and looking up to heaven with the recognition that this is what the human condition is all about. Just one source of worry after another. Another person coming to him with this deep, anxiety-filled conflict. If you think about it, that is recurrent throughout the Gospels. Jesus is recognizing that so many people are, are in like a long waiting line, just waiting to tell him what their deep, anxiety-filled moment is. Jesus, one person said, I need, the, the, my child is possessed by a demon. Please heal him. Jesus, there's a storm brewing out here in the sea and we're going to get killed. Please save us. Jesus, my loved one has just died. Where have you been? Jesus, I want to be your right-hand man. Please promote me. Jesus, this crowd is filled with hungry people. Please feed them. That's what the Bible is, it seems like. Just one long waiting line of people trying to get Jesus' attention about the thing they're anxious for. And you know what? You're in that waiting line too. And so am I. Jesus, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. Please tell me. Jesus, I am so gripped with grief over the sudden, even tragic loss of a loved one. Please comfort me. Jesus, I have no idea what to do after my divorce. I feel so lonely. Please comfort me. Jesus, I have no idea what to do about my children who seem so lost. Please, please give me guidance. And the list goes on and on and on. And you, you and I have that long laundry list of worries and anxieties to which Jesus takes that deep breath and sighs up to heaven. And in this particular moment, in Luke chapter 12, chooses to give the clearest, plainest, most succinct answer to worry that he would give anywhere in the Gospels, where he said to that man and said to that crowd and says to us today, do not worry about anything, not about what you eat, not about what you wear. Don't worry about a thing. You know what's interesting about that is that Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus keeps on talking after he says those words. It very easily could have been that Jesus could have told the disciples and told us, don't worry, God's got this, and then stopped right then and there and moved on to another topic, in which case my sermon would be over now and we could get out of the worship service early. Wouldn't that have been nice? Tough luck. But Jesus has something else to say, a twist that we're not expecting, not just a word of comfort to his disciples, but a word of challenge, a tough word for us to hear. Because when you think about it, if Jesus had just stopped with the word of comfort, if Jesus had simply said that God would be there to give you what you need, don't worry about it, then it would have been very easy for us then to simply consider God to be nothing more than, once again, a cosmic vending machine that is there to dispense blessings to us if we simply ask for it. 
If we just do the right thing and ask for it in the right way and push all the right buttons, then God would give us the comfort that we need. And that could have been the end of the story. Right there in verse 22. But Jesus keeps going. And he dares to challenge us with a word that is hard for us to hear, but that we desperately need to hear. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures here on earth, not where moth could consume, rust can destroy, and where thieves can, can, can steal. Get your priorities straight. Remember the things that are most important in light of the kingdom and focus on eternity. It's not a word we're expecting to hear, but it's one that we need to hear if we're going to address the worry in our life. In his book, It All Goes Back in the Box, author John Ortberg offers this compelling thought exercise for anybody who's dealing with worry or anxiety in your life. He says, imagine that you have in your hands two stacks of post-it notes. And in one set of post-it notes, printed on each one, is the word temporary. And in the other stack of post-it notes, printed on each one, is the word forever. Now, he says, when you get up in the morning, as part of your daily routine, walk around your house, perhaps literally, perhaps figuratively, And pretend you've got those post-it notes in your hand. And as you walk by each object, each thing in your house, what post-it note would you place on that item? Temporary or forever? Your big screen TV, your coffee maker, your smartphone, your clothes, your food. Temporary or forever? Then when you go about the busyness of your day, when you go to the office, what post-it note would you use? on your briefcase, on your computer screen, on your Coke machine, on your time card punch clock, temporary or forever. What he says is that by the end of the day, you will have realized something. Hopefully you will realize that you have used way more temporary post-it notes than the forever post-it notes, and that you would have realized that the things that you would have put the forever post-it notes on, the things that have eternal impact and forever significance would have been people, your relationships, the things that really matter the most. And in fact, you might even put that forever sticker on the person you see in the mirror in terms of your own health, your own dignity and integrity. Jesus said it very clearly. Don't confuse the temporal with the eternal, the things that are earthly with the things that are heavenly. Yes, do not worry about anything, but also get your priorities straight and pay attention to the things that matter most. Because in Jesus' mind, it's all about what you're watching and all about what you're listening for in your life that dictates your priorities. There's a classic sermon illustration that's told about a a Native American and his businessman friend who were walking down the busy city streets of New York City during lunch hour one day. As you can imagine, the environment was filled with all sorts of chaotic noise around them, with honking horns and crowds of people and all sorts of busy sounds from the city. As the two of them were walking, the Native American paused for a moment and said to his friend, Shh! 
I, I hear a cricket. His friend said, what? Shh, I, I hear a cricket. A cricket? You've got to be kidding me. Shh, listen. The friend said, you have got to be kidding me. In the midst of all of this metropolitan noise, you can hear a cricket? That's impossible. Yeah, here I'll show you. When they got to the next crosswalk, they crossed the street, crossed a very busy intersection to the other side where they walked in front of a storefront, where in front of that store, right on the sidewalk, was a planter box filled with shrubbery and bushes. The guy went to that planter and pulled back the bushes to reveal the leaves beneath the surface, and there, tucked among the branches, was a tiny, happy, chirping little cricket. Friend said, that's, that's amazing. How in the world were you able to hear that chirping cricket in the midst of all this city noise? And the Native American said, it, it all depends on what you're listening for. Yeah, right, the friend said. You've got to be kidding me. No, it's true. It all depends on what you're listening for. Here, I'll show you. To which the Native American then reached into his pocket and pulled out a handful of coins, waited for a big crowd of people to walk by the sidewalk, and then he threw the coins onto the ground to make a jangling, crinkling noise with the coins on the ground. At that very moment, every single person within 20 feet of those coins dropping on the ground, stopped, froze, turned around, just to make sure it wasn't their coins that fell out of their pockets. And he said, you see, friend, it all depends on what you are listening for. Jesus was very clear. Yes, don't worry Don't worry about anything. God is there to provide your every need. But at the same time, get your priorities straight. Pay attention to the things that really matter. Because even in the midst of your worry and your anxiety, God is present, giving you glimpses of God's grace and reminders of God's strength and presence in your life. And you are too busy to even realize it. So yes, God is there to comfort you, but also you need to pay attention to what God is doing and to take note of it. That's a hard lesson. I will be the first one to say that is a very hard lesson. When the swirls of chaos are drifting around us and within us, it is hard to open our eyes and to unstop our ears and to notice the activity of God in our life. But if, it's a, but if you can learn that lesson, it can help change the trajectory of your life. It's a lesson I had to learn the hard way, which is often the case for the lessons that we really need to learn. It's a lesson that I learned even over these past recent years. I've said before to you that not too long ago, there was a very long, difficult stretch of my life when I was going through profound worry and uncertainty. 
about where I was going to live, where I was going to serve, where the girls and I would be living together. As you know, over the my, my stint prior to coming to this place was eight years living in Iowa, serving a wonderful church called St. Paul's United Methodist Church in a beautiful small town called Cherokee, Iowa. I'd grown to love those people, love the ministry there, and love the community. And to this day, I still, I still do. But it became clear to me during the eight years close to the end of our time there that our time was going to be limited in Cherokee, certainly amplified by the fact that Jim Harnish retired and that started a swirl of possibility about whether I would be coming back here to serve as your senior pastor, back here to the Tampa Bay area, close to my home where I grew up, close to my aging parents who would need my help, close to my brothers and their families, back to this place that nurtured me in the faith, trained me in the ministry, back to a congregation and a community that I deeply, deeply love. I didn't know whether I'd be staying in Cherokee or coming back to Florida, and it was compounded by a third complication, which is it was made clear to me by the Iowa Conference that regardless of how a judge would rule as to whether or not the girls and I could come back here, There was every intention by the Iowa bishop that they would be moving me from Cherokee to another city in Iowa. So there was every possibility that I could be in any number of three different places, two different states, and who knew where I was going to be. You can imagine the worry and the anxiety that filled me every single day. This was the most fearful most fragile test of my faith that I had ever been through in my life. And I remember reading the words of Luke chapter 12, having the very same reaction that many of us have today. Do not worry, McGray. Yeah, right, Jesus. How in the world could I possibly know where I and the girls are going to land This went on for weeks, months, for the better part of a year or more, not knowing what in the world was going to happen. And I remember reading Luke chapter 12 and trying to claim that verse for myself to not worry. And one day I prayed this prayer. It was an earnest, authentic, raw, real prayer where I said, God, today I just need some evidence I just need some evidence that you are in this with me. I am too filled with worry and anxiety about what's going to happen. And there's a part of me that wonders whether you're even here. So I just need some evidence that you're in this with me and that you've got this and that the words of Luke chapter 12 are real, that I don't have to worry. Just, I said, God, I don't need a lightning bolt. I don't need some dramatic big news today to turn everything around. I know that's likely not going to happen. I just need something, even a little thing, just a little bit of of manna to get me through the day so that I could face tomorrow and then the day after that. Just a little glimpse of your grace. That's all I need. I remember feeling awfully selfish about praying that prayer. I remember thinking this wasn't a very biblical thing to pray. God, please give me, give me something. Please give it to me. But then I read those words of Luke 12 
and skipped on to verse 34 with a reminder that Jesus gives to us to get our priorities straight and to pay attention to the little things that we would otherwise miss. Things like sparrows in the air, ravens in the sky, lilies in the field. So I remember saying to God, um, I'd like to give a little amendment to my prayer, if I might. Yes, I would love some little bit of evidence that you're with me, but in exchange, here is what I promise to you, God. To the best of my ability, I will open my eyes today. I will unstop my ears. I will pay as much attention to you as I can in every single moment. I will raise my antenna heavenward so that whatever that little glimpse you have to give me today, I promise I will do my best to notice it. And I will even write it down. And I decided to write it in my journal, whatever the glimpse was that God would give me. The first day, as a result of that prayer, my little glimpse of God came in the form of a song that I'd never heard on the radio As I was driving to church, the song called Blessings by an artist named Laura Story came on the air, and I remember hearing those words so gripped by the lyrics, I I had to pull the car over to the curb, and I just listened to that song, and I wept. That was my manna for the day, and I wrote it in my journal. Another day, that Manna came in the form of a phone call from a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time who was there to just encourage me. Out of the blue, unexpectedly, that, that manna made my journal that day. One day it was in the form of a Facebook post. A friend of mine put something on there, not knowing any idea of what I was going through, but that post, that word of encouragement, was precisely the language that I needed to hear at the depth of my being in that moment. That one made it in my journal. And I can tell you, as I look back on that journal now, Every day, every day, every day without fail, God gave me a glimpse and a piece of evidence that God was in this with me. Mostly evidence that I I would have overlooked if I weren't paying attention to it. One day, the manna came later in the day. I remember going through most of the day thinking to myself, God, I haven't gotten my manna yet. Are you, uh, are you, are you listening? Is, is this thing on? Hello, God? And then when I was home, I checked the mail after coming home from the office. And there in the mailbox was a package. A package that had come from Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Tampa, Florida. Sent to me by one of our staff people, Lynn Osborne, our ministry team leader at the time. The office had just concluded its annual clean sweep day, which is an effort by everyone in the office to go through their offices and tidy things up and get rid of extra material and get things in shape. And as Lynn was going through one of the crowded closets in the office, she came upon a a stack of videotapes, of recordings of prior worship services, many of the years of which I was serving here as an associate pastor from 2000 to 2007. 
She felt a nudge from the spirit after seeing that stack of tapes, tapes where I had been preaching the sermon or services where I was a special part of it, and there was a nudge from the spirit that said, Lynn, you need to send these to McGray. And so she did. And in that mailbox that day was a stack of videotapes from old worship services. And the very first one that I saw that day was from January 2004. It was on that Sunday when my daughter Madeline was baptized. Right here in this sanctuary. Right here at this baptismal font. Baptized by a very young-looking Jim Harnish and an ageless-looking... Hi, Bernie. Bernie leaving. And I remember watching that whole videotape of that service, and I broke down in tears. It was my manna for the day, because it was a reminder... That even though I had no idea what the future would hold for me and for my family and where I would be living and what church I'd be serving, I would at least remember as clear as day through the the very real sacrament of baptism that there was a congregation here in this place that was praying for me. And that in many ways, whatever happened in my life, wherever I would be living, this place, this font, this sanctuary would always be home to some degree. It's what I needed that day. There's an interesting postscript to the story, by the way, because several months after receiving that package, I appeared in an Iowa County courthouse to appear before the judge that would adjudicate the future of my family and of all of these churches that were waiting for the decision. And I took the witness stand and began answering questions about why this move to come back here was important and why this place was home for me and for the family. And I'll have you know that that picture from that videotape of Madeline's baptism was submitted as Exhibit 1A. Do not worry about anything. God is there to give you comfort every single moment. Question is, will will you perceive it? Will you notice the glimpses of God's grace that are with you every single moment? Because with that comfort comes great challenge. With that strength comes great responsibility to keep your priorities straight and to focus on the things that really matter, and to notice God's activity in your life. It's hard. The winds of chaos and conflict are always around us, but God is there. The question is, will you sense it? I want to give you more than just spiritual advice today. I want to give you a couple practical ways that you might find God's presence amid your worry over this upcoming week. The first is in a workshop that takes place this Wednesday night in the Magnolia Building at 6.30. It's called Dealing with Worry and Anxiety, and it's very possible that you need to be here this Wednesday night. 
We have a local therapist from our community who will give you practical tips on how to name the source of your worry and resources for how to deal with it. And I bet there's a lot of you who need to be there. The second thing I want to share with you is our church website. During every Sunday during this Lenten series, we're taking the particular theme of uncertainty and fleshing it out with practical resources from the Bible that you can turn to whenever you are dealing with it. I'm grateful for Nikki Taylor, our director of small groups, who read the scripture reading, and she came up with a list of scripture passages that you can look up the next time you feel worried or anxious. They're available for you on our website. For this Sunday, it's called hydeparkumc.org slash worry. And the last bit of practical advice, a resource for you, takes place right here, this morning, even before you leave the service. It takes place during the communion time, when you'll come forward to receive the bread and the cup. It's very possible that you have a need that you would like to be praying for and would like someone to pray for you. Some members of our healing prayer team will be here behind the altar rail, in addition to some of our clergy team. And if you'd like someone to pray for you, please let us know, and we will. But you also may choose to pick up one of these. On the altar rail this morning is a very small card that has some words on here for you to remember the next time you feel worried. It has a great quote that says, Worrying won't stop the bad from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. And that might be your manna for that particular day. It's got the website again, slash worry, and then it has a very practical guide for you to stop everything that you're doing for one to five minutes the next time you feel worried and do four things. The first three are pray, breathe, and walk, and the fourth thing is up to you. For you to discern right now during this communion time the one thing that works for you amid your episodes of worry that may be unique to you. It could be the title of a particular song. It could be calling a particular friend. It could be talking to your therapist. It could be spending some quiet moments breathing. It could be taking a walk in nature. Whatever it is that works for you, it's up to you to fill in on that fourth blank. After you receive communion, before you return to your seat, you might choose to pick up one of these cards on the altar rail. You know this as well as I do. Worrying is hard. But here's the news for us today, for all of us. Today is a new day. And it's the start of a new journey for you and for me. It's a journey where you and I will be more diligent in paying attention to the glimpses of God's grace that come to us in every moment. And by the way, Today, you can already cross your manna off the list because God has already given it to us for this day. It's in the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 12 who said to his disciples and says to you right now, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray together. And so, O God, amid the uncertainty of worry and anxiety, we come to you, naming before you all, all of what makes it hard 
God, in this room and online right now, there are countless numbers of people who have so many sources of anxiety. And so we lift them up to you. And we ask you, with boldness and conviction, that you demonstrate your presence with us every day. And in exchange, we will pay attention. We will watch instead of worry. We will listen instead of being anxious. And God, we know that you will be faithful. You have been faithful before, and you will be faithful down the road for whatever it is we are facing. And as we prepare to come before you in communion, we pray that we will experience through the bread and the cup the very real presence of your Son, Jesus, who is with us every step of the way. Surround us with your love. Grant to us traveling companions on the journey and give us the resources that we need so that in retrospect, years from now, we can look back on this period of time and realize that you saw us through it, giving us just enough, just enough to make it one day at a time and that you have been with us. We give you thanks for your love made real in Jesus' name. And let all God's people say, Amen. Amen.